The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In today's business world, you need to have a unique edge in order to thrive. Your show host, Lisa Chickles, understands you have to live it to get it. And she is here to give what they couldn't teach you in business school. This is Chat with Chickles, featuring brand champion Lisa Chickles. In this program, you'll hear from the experts who are already making differences in their business while picking up strategies that can help you and your business survive and thrive. Now, here's your host, Lisa Chickles. Welcome. It's so great to have you here today. I am broadcasting live from Toronto, Canada. And thank you for taking the time to join me for my show on culture and unlocking its power in organizations. This is what they couldn't teach you in business school because you really do have to live it to get it. In past episodes, I've chatted about culture or organizational culture or corporate culture, business culture, whatever um, phrase you want to use, and and its impact on an organization. We talked about innovation and how a company's culture, its tolerance for risk can actually impact your ability to move innovation forward. So, for example, if you have a culture that has a fear of failure, then it's difficult to innovate. Whereas if you are in a culture where there is a freedom to fail, then you feel encouraged to take risks and you have a more likely um, likelihood of success for championing an, an innovation. I also chatted about an organization that had a very strong entrepreneurial culture and how that impacted new leaders to the organization and their ability to lead effectively. In this episode, I want to take that concept a step further. I want to chat about how you can unlock the power of culture in organizations, how it can be an incredible enabler to innovation, business growth, and employee engagement and retention. I want to chat about its impact on business strategy and its potential to not only empower its employees, but also power the organization forward. And power can have both a positive and a negative force to it. So I also want to make sure that we cover the other side of of the equation, not just the positive, but also what can happen when culture goes wrong, when you don't have a cultural fit, for example, with a new leader, when your strategic plan does not take into account your organizational culture, and when the culture of your organization is actually holding you back in an ever-changing business market. So let's start by trying to define it. And I have to say, culture is not an easy thing to define. And it's even more difficult for organizations to articulate and share. It's more of a feeling than a strategy or a process. However, it's a key driver of your organization and therefore your business results and success. And, And I believe that a company's ability to fully understand, appreciate and embrace their culture is a key factor in determining their long-term success. So why don't we start with what is corporate culture? Um, How do you define it? Why should I care? So Lisa, if it's so difficult to define, you know, maybe I don't need to care about it. Maybe it's just like how people are feeling today. And does that really matter? Does that impact my business? 
So let's start on um, on the idea of how do we define it. So as we said, it's you know the concept is somewhat complex. It's abstract. It's difficult to grasp. Um, A corporate culture refers to shared values, attitudes, standards, and beliefs that characterize the people that work there and define the nature of your organization. It's rooted in its goals and strategies and structure, and also its approach to staff and volunteers and the greater community around you. As such, it's an essential component in any business's ultimate success and failure. So as I was doing research for this program, I was looking at um, different definitions of culture. What are people saying out there? How are they defining it? And I have to say there's there's lots of them and they're all kind of slightly different. So what I'm going to do to start is just share some of their thoughts with you, how they've looked to define it, and then let's see what fits with you and your organization. So one person said, organizational culture encompasses the values and behaviors that contribute to the unique social and psychological environment of an organization. What I took that to mean, because I focused on kind of the social and psychological is, you know what that's like. You walk in, you're working with a company, and is do these people go out after work? So that, that's not written in your business strategy. That may not be in your value statement, but it's how people interact with one another and how they engage. Um, do you spend time chatting throughout the day? Is that encouraged? Is it a bit of a creative environment where you share ideas? Or is it expected that you're kind of in your office or at your desk with your head down and getting at it because, you know, there's a lot of work to be done? Is it a culture where people leave at five? I mean, you know, they have other commitments. The organization understands that and says, look, you know, get the most done you can in the day and then five o'clock hits, please. We believe that you should, you know, find that work-life balance. Or is it an organization where people are expected to stay late or have to stay late because of the type of work they do? So let me give you an example. I was working in an advertising agency and, and also you'll see that industries might have some unique cultures. And in the advertising industry, it, it does, the sector itself has its own culture. Um, it is a creative type of environment. It's a very high demand industry. And there's a lot of pressure um, from clients, quite understandably, to get things done at a certain time because they're also under pressure in terms of delivering business results. So in the organization that I was in, the way that that manifested um, in people's behavior and in the culture was that no one was expected to arrive at 8 a.m. There, w- there was an understanding that people kind of, I, I, I want to say strolled in, but because um, we used to say that, you know, look at those guys, they stroll in at 9 or 10 o'clock. But the reason that happened was because a lot of people were probably up till 2 and 3 in the morning, in particular in your creative department or production where people are kind of, you got to get this stuff out the door and maybe the deadline has changed. So it's understandable that, you know, maybe they need a little more rest. It's hard to create when you're exhausted. So, you know, come in when you can. So that was kind of understood. Um, no one really, you might have noticed it and made the odd cheeky comment, but really it was understood and people um, respected the fact that you know, you need to get that rest in any way that you can. Well, at this agency, they hired a VP of HR. So the company had now gone public and, you know, needed to abide by certain corporate standards, totally understandable, and started to, you know, invest in the human resources side of the business um, that maybe had been underinvested in in the past. This new HR manager or VP came in and said, oh, my goodness, people around here don't start till like 9, 10 o'clock. Everyone should arrive at 8.30. We need to create a policy. We need to let people know that that's what needs to be done. And that's what's expected of them if we want to be productive. 
Well, the person that she was reporting to at the time, um, the president of the company, had said to her, hmm, that's interesting. So you, so you were here and you realized that people, you were here at 8.30, but they didn't come in until 9 or 10. Why don't you do a little bit of a test and why don't you stay here until the last person leaves? And then let me know what time people are leaving. And her reaction was, well, I'm not going to stay that late. Like, I have to get home. I leave at this time. And people are here till 2 or 3 in the morning getting work done. And he said, Exactly. And again, maybe he didn't handle it in the best way possible, but what he was trying to help her to understand was the corporate culture and that bringing in a policy that said people had to be here at 8.30 was actually going to negatively impact the organization. There's a lot of competition out there for top creative talent, and I'm not going to go work at a company with a bunch of rules when I'm up till three in the morning, I'll just go somewhere else. So. Again, he was trying to help her understand the culture of the organization and think if they had tried to institute that kind of rule in that kind of culture. So organizational culture is the behavior of people within an organization and the meaning that people attach to those behaviors. So think about this. For example, um, you know, I talked about this in one of the earlier shows. Um, if you wanted to take your team on an offsite, you know, is that considered an extravagance or is that considered a normal course of business and essential to moving the organization forward? Now, because culture isn't always well articulated or documented, I wasn't really sure if this was okay or not. So I went ahead and took my team on an offsite and, you know, really felt that that was, you know, training them to be good corporate athletes and having that time away to be able to think and come up with new ideas. But when I came back, my boss kind of gave me the hairy eyeball. Like, Lisa, people around the office were chatting. You know, they were saying, hey, their team's going out. How come ours isn't? And I was like, oh, okay. I didn't realize that that was a problem and maybe I should have checked in. So good learning for me. So sometimes not having things written down can also be a challenge because you don't know, is this right? Is this what I should be doing for my organization? Um, another example would be a couple of members on my team were shooting a commercial um, out west, and it was a pretty stressful shoot. Um, there was a lot of challenges on the day of the set and all of that. And then they had they decided to get massages at the hotel that they were staying at and then presented me with a bill and said, Lisa, I need you to expense this. And I was like, okay, guys, how am I going to get this approved by the controller? What, like, you know, so, so some of the things are, as they said, it's the meaning that people attach to those behaviors. So an offsite, whereas it could be a great strategic business opportunity for you and your team, if the organization sees it as an extravagance, then you're not going to have a really good reception when you come back. Or if you feel that, hey, I'm under stress and I need to have a massage, but I don't really have a billable expense there. Um, you know, it's kind of tough to be able to get those things approved. So culture also includes the organization's vision and its values and norms and systems and symbols and assumptions and beliefs and habits. Sometimes we can see this best in big brands. I mean, think about a Starbucks and the symbols that they have, you know, the coffee cups, their unique lids, the experience that you have when you walk into um, a Starbucks, or they even have their own unique language, like a tall or a vente or a grande. I can never get them all right. So, and think about, have you ever stood in line for a cup of coffee at a place like this and thought, oh my gosh, I don't know what the rules are. I don't even know how to order, but everybody else seems to know what's going on. That's culture, 
right? So you didn't get the brief before you walked in. You didn't read the strategic plan. But what that organization is trying to show you is this is how we do things here. And what can happen in that environment is you either feel like you fit or you don't. So either this is your coffee place or you go somewhere else. So I think one of the other great examples is uh, Ravisi and Schultz, my apologies if I'm saying this incorrectly, in 2006 wrote that organizational culture is a set of shared assumptions that guide what ha- guides what happens in organizations by defining appropriate behavior for various situations. So lots of words there. What I liked about it was this idea of a shared assumption. Assumption feels kind of vague, which is how culture can feel, and also that you know, you, if you know it and understand it, it's going to guide your behavior. And again, thinking about some of those big brands like a Starbucks or a WestJet, their culture is personified in their staff. So the barista at Starbucks that greets you, you know, with that big smile, remembers you because you're a regular customer and writes your name on a cup, that's part of the culture and that's part of, you know, they all understand, they have those shared assumptions, they know how, it's, how that, those set of assumptions define their behavior. Or let's say you're a WestJet flight attendant, um, you know, that uh, that understands their culture. This happened to me. I'm sitting on a flight and the flight attendant says, hey, can everybody just look out the window and applaud when I put my hand up? Because Joe, our ground crew, somebody didn't show up today and, you know, but he got us all, got everything on the plane and, and, and we're ready to go and it would really make his day. So like the whole plane applauded for Joe. I mean, what a great way of showing your culture. You know, you felt a part of the organization. You're like, hey, I get what WestJet is all about. So we are now coming up on a break. And so I'm going to chat a little bit more about um, how you now define your culture. So if it's so hard to define, you know, why should I care? And then once we understand why we should care, then how do we define it for ourselves? And I'll be back in a minute. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Take your business to the next level. Deliver more growth to your bottom line and bring innovation to your organization. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. Lisa Chickles Consulting will work with you to unearth your brand's potential to drive business results. Lisa works with the top brands in the corporate and not-for-profit sectors to develop strategic plans to ensure success. Bring a fresh and original perspective to your business. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. That's LisaChicklesConsulting.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Chat with Chickles. To reach Lisa and her guest today, please call into 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send Lisa an email to chatwithchickles at rogers.com. Now, back to this week's show. 
We're back and we are chatting about culture, organizational culture, and unlocking its power. Uh, We spent the first segment talking about how to define it, and, and it's a challenging thing to do. And then, so if it is so challenging, why do I care? Maybe this isn't important. So let's chat about why you should care about the culture. Um, and, and can you just ignore it? So as a leader, I'm like, well, whatever, you know, is this really important to my business or is my, is my um, strategic plan more important than my culture? Well, if you believe people are your greatest asset, then you're at the heart of understanding the importance of culture. Um, people and staff are the best advocates to build the reputation of your organization. It also builds a platform for great success. It maintains standards, a strong culture, Um, can lead to engagement. It can increase greater awareness of your company, your product, and and your loyalty, both amongst your staff and your potential customer base. Um, And all of that is going to impact your bottom line. That's why you need to care. Um, You need to care because you want the retention of your employees, you want engagement, and all of that is going to help you drive your business forward. And as a leader, that's what you're looking for. It also allows ideas to thrive. Being honest about who you are ensures you have the right people at the table feeding the innovation channel naturally. So think about that. If I've got people in my organization that align to my culture, there isn't a lot of work to do to get them to start kind of working together and engaging and moving the organization forward. Innovation just becomes a natural part of their day-to-day. I don't have to set up a separate team and bring on new standards. It's just part of my organizational fabric. So to, to build on that and sort of bring that to life so you, you can see what we're talking about in terms of its benefit, let's look to some well-known organizations and brands um, that we interact with every day. Right? So these companies have really unlocked the power of culture in their organizations to drive business results. So one of them we, we talked about a little bit already, which was Starbucks. So Starbucks, think about how you feel when you walk into a Starbucks. How does that compare with other coffee shops that you may frequent? You know, for me, the culture is clear. You feel it uh, when you walk in. It permeates the people, the product, and the place, as they call it, Um you know, on their website. So the people, meaning the staff, they're real, they're friendly, they're comforting, they're informed, they actually seem excited about coffee in the morning. (laughs) They're focused on the customer's specific coffee order. Um, And of course, if they know you and you're a returning customer, they're definitely right there with your special order. And then the product itself, Starbucks provides, you know, they're in their words, and again, it's all a matter of taste, the best tasting quality coffee there is. It's the highest quality coffee beans, it's customization. They also have unique language and unique cups and lids and sleeves that enhance that coffee experience. And then there's the place. So if you're an entrepreneur like me, you've, um, you know, been to a Starbucks and seen lots of people working and socializing. And they talk about it as a third place, a place that you can call your own outside of home and work, a warm and welcoming environment. They're preserving that coffee aroma and encouraging you actually to spend time in their place. They're not putting a little sign up that says, you know, you can't, no loitering or you can't be here more than 30 minutes. They're encouraging that interaction because they know that's what's unique about their culture, their organization, and their brand. However, if you're someone, you know, that that's not great for you. So so in those cases, you might say, yeah, that, that organization is great for me. That fits with my values. I like those baristas behind the counter. I like that my coffee's customized. I like that people call out my name. I feel comfortable there. Now you've found a cultural fit. You, your needs 
align with what they're offering. But what about when if you walk in and you start to feel like, oh my gosh, like there's kind of weird names. I can never remember the tall. Is that a small? Is it a medium? Um, there's just too much activity in the morning. Those people are way too cheerful for me. I want to be anonymous and just give me my coffee so I can go. If that's how you're feeling that day, then that isn't the right cultural environment for you. That's not where you want to be today. So again, keeping in mind that the culture is going to help you figure out how you feel in that organization, either as a customer or even as an employee. You know, not everybody wants to be a barista. Not everybody wants to be in that environment. People might want to be in a different environment that's more aligned to kind of their own values and behaviors and what works for them. So by having that distinct culture and by being clear about who they are and what they offer, they've been able to you know, um, be a global brand. They've been able to go into other markets. And what they understand is when they go into another market, they get they need to understand the culture of that market. It's not just a search and reapply. They're actually looking at, you know, what's important, what are the needs of the people in that culture so that I can give a similar experience, but in a way that people, let's say, in China or Japan want to experience it versus how we might want to experience it in North America. So another company is Ritz-Carlton. So I find that hotels provide a great example of culture because you actually live there for a bit, right? Like you're not just interacting them at the moment in time. You're actually staying there. You're sleeping at their place in a way. So you're getting a real sense of that culture. Um, and I was fortunate enough that a client of mine had put a group of, group of us up at the Ritz-Carlton. And I understood what they meant about it being the finest luxury experience. Their culture is personified in their mission statement of ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. So they're using that to say, these are the kind of people that we have working here. And these are the kinds of behaviors that we expect from our customers. So if I'm treating them a certain way, I expect a similar experience back. They also took this to um, another example of how they treated you when you might order room service. So I ordered room service and... They were actually early. They said it would be there in, let's say, 20 minutes, but they were there in 10 or whatever that was. And at the same time, when I made my order, they asked me, so Lisa, um, is there anything else we can do for you today? Is there anything else you need? You know, I didn't need anything at that moment, but it felt really nice to be asked. It said to me that they were concerned about my experience as a customer and how could I make you feel more comfortable in our home, in a sense. So for them... Really, their culture was helping them to drive kind of their staff and their behaviors and the decisions that they made. And it also helped them to attract like-minded people. Now, not everybody would want to stay at a Ritz-Carlton. It may not be right for them. It might not fit with what they like in culture. But also, so that also can tell you the power of culture. It can attract people to your organization or it can let people know that this place may not be for you. So I I would say another great example would be we talked about WestJet. And in their case, their culture has absolutely, as in the other two organizations, led to incredible business success for them. You know, their their WestJet uh, flight attendants have been named the industry's best. They've been named in the top 10 of Canada's most admired cultures. And in 2011, WestJet was named one of Canada's top 100 employers and a J.D. Power customer service champion. So clearly, if you understand that culture and you are leveraging it throughout your entire organization, it can be a huge business driver for you. 
So if that's the case and it can actually set you apart, the first step, I guess, for us would be, all right, so that's all great, Lisa, but those are big brands and, you know, they've been working on their culture for a long time. What about me? What about my organization? You know, we haven't invested that kind of time. Maybe I don't, you know, have that vision in my own organization. Or you might be an entrepreneur and you have a smaller organization. Like, well, how do I do the same thing without maybe that um, scale and scope? Well, it is easy in that you need to understand what your culture is. You don't need to be a big brand to establish a culture. I was saying to a friend today, think about when you walk into my home. How does that make you feel? You immediately get a sense of the culture of the people that live there. Um, and again, any interaction that you might have buying a product or going into your favorite clothing retailer. So how would I start to do that? How would I start to define it? Well, think behaviors with respect to people. So this isn't about your strategic plan right now. This is about how people work, how they interact, how they make decisions. So how does the organization make decisions? Is it collaborative or hierarchical? And you know this in your own organization, right? So so are you allowed to come up with the answer or does the answer have to come from the president and then we all just nod? And that's okay. You just need to understand what the culture is so then you know how to react in that culture. You know, how do they work? Is it a siloed organization or do they work cross-functionally? Again, are they collaborative? Um, And how do people evaluate success? How are you rewarded? How are your efforts recognized? What about risk? And we talked about this in uh, on the show on innovation. How do they view risk in the organization? You know, how is it monitored and measured? How are people, um, you know, again, that whole idea of fear of failure versus, you know, um, the freedom to fail? And then staff, how are they treated? How are they compensated, rewarded, vacation time, flex time? All of these things. Or we talked, like we talked about in the advertising agency. Yeah, no, no one's expected to be there at 8.30 in the morning, especially if you've been there at till 3 o'clock last night trying to get a project out the door. So how is that all viewed? Because all of that determines your culture. And if you don't understand it, and if you haven't had a chance to think it through and articulate it, When you go through market changes or when new leadership comes in, it can have a dramatic impact. So another way to think about it, and this is from Hasberg Consulting Group, they had five questions to ask. So these are a little, I would say, again, a little cheekier because they kind of really got down to it, right? It's the stuff that isn't said. So first of all, they said, you know, they had five key questions that you wanted to ask. You know, what are the 10 words that you would use to describe your company? It's exciting, it's competitive, it's cutting edge, it's creative, it's boring, it's meeting focused, it's risk adverse, it's fun, it's not fun. All those kinds of words when you try to think about how you feel every day when you work there. And around here, what's really important? So it's important that things get done, it is important that things are innovative, that you're meeting targets and deadlines. Is it important that you're being respectful and nice to people? Are you customer service oriented? Is it about performance appraisals? You know, what is revenue important? Is it about it's okay to learn from things and it's okay if we make a mistake because it will get better next time? And then also around here, who gets promoted, right? So is it, I'll call it the teacher's pet, the rules person, the highest achiever, the hardest worker, the best fit for the job, or the best friend. So as you're sitting there in an organization, again, these things aren't written down. And I don't know if people would come to you and really say, oh, yeah, the way to get promoted around here, you just got to be so-and-so's best friend. So, But it's important when you're working in an organization to be aware of these things because it is going to determine 
number one, whether or not you want to work there, and number two, how to be successful there. And if you're a leader in the organization, and some of these behaviors are actually getting in the way of success, you also need to understand them so you can change them, right? So thinking about those things that you answer, and then again, you're also looking at, you know, around here, what behaviors get rewarded, and then around here, who fits and who just doesn't. And again, sometimes that's clear and sometimes it isn't it's a feeling but you get a sense of that just look around your own organization and say yeah you know this person really seems to fit in and you really get along with everyone and this person they seem to be a bit isolated so now part of that could be we need to help to onboard them and engage them and sometimes it just isn't a good fit so we're coming up on a break and when we come back I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about now that you understand what culture is that it's important and that you're starting to define it in your organization, you know, how do you assess it to make sure it is helping you to move the company forward and not holding it back? Chat with you in a bit. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Take your business to the next level. Deliver more growth to your bottom line and bring innovation to your organization. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. Lisa Chickles Consulting will work with you to unearth your brand's potential to drive business results. Lisa works with the top brands in the corporate and not-for-profit sectors to develop strategic plans to ensure success. Bring a fresh and original perspective to your business. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. That's LisaChicklesConsulting.com. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned into Chat with Chickles. To reach Lisa and her guest today, please call into 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send Lisa an email to chat with chickles at rogers.com now back to this week's show hi and we're back and we're chatting about culture how you define it and um and why it's important and how that can impact your staffing the environment that you create that your customers experience and the bottom line so what happens when the organizational culture is actually getting in the way of business results let's say a new leader comes in or um, you're having a change in your market dynamics, or the way you're currently doing business isn't actually contributing to your success. So then how do you change your culture? How do you set the organization up for success? Well, let's use an example that we've chatted about before. What if your current culture is somehow getting in the way of those business goals? For example, let's say the market has changed and you need to do things differently to survive. So let's think, if you remember back to that tabby example, So that was the women's clothing company that identified that their current customer base was shrinking. 
and in order to survive, they needed to evolve their business model. The leadership also recognized that in order to do that, they needed to evolve their culture. So they involved the entire team in, in the process of helping them understand the reason and the need for the change and how they could do it together. This leader understood that it wasn't just about creating a new business model or a new strategic plan. She understood that she needed to engage people to get them to buy into the change because she knew the role that culture was playing in the organization and that if she didn't evolve her business model and evolve her culture at the same time, there was a risk of a mismatch, which would impact her business results. And the great news is, is in her transitional years, um, initial years, she was incredibly successful. The organization and the organizational culture did shift. Um, They had great uh, cut client, they had great employee retention and their customers Their current customers liked the change and it brought in new customers. So there was someone that really understood the power of culture and the role that it plays in business and making sure that if you're evolving one, you're evolving another at the same time. What about a different example? What about if you're going another great one to help you see the role that culture plays and how you might need to evolve as it changes is a merger. So how do you do that effectively? I'm sure you've heard people say, It was their inability to merge cultures, not the IT system that failed, or companies that initially said they wanted to merge and then change their mind because they just couldn't make it work. Everything on paper from a strategy standpoint made sense we needed to merge, but how it actually felt in the organizations, people's willingness to um, evolve the organization together failed. So it's interesting. Let me give you a couple of examples. I was a consultant for the Certified Management Accountants of Ontario. They were going through what became a three-way merger. The CMAs, Certified Management Accountants, were merging with the CAs and the CGAs. Okay, so a bunch of people coming together to create one new organization called the designation of a CPA and creating that one new organization. Well, you, you couldn't have three more different and distinct cultures Being new to the organization and in the role of a consultant, it sometimes provides you with a a different perspective. You're not necessarily fully immersed in one culture or the other, but you can see the clash of cultures coming, right? Um, and, And you could also see that the culture of each organization was right for that organization. It was right for the designation. It was right for the business model. It determined who they hired, how they worked the role that um, you know legislation played in the organization and the power that that had based on the different designations. So you could really see very different cultures. So what happened when these three organizations came together? And they're still going through that process today. Um, I would say that's where they realized that they had three different cultures. And sometimes what happens is one culture needs to lead. In order for the organization to get through the change, Unless you really, really understand the role that culture plays and you bring and you have that expertise, sometimes you just have to default to one culture or another. And in this case, that is what they did. One culture did tend to lead. What did that mean for the people that were there? Well, that meant that some people felt that this was no longer their place. This was not the Starbucks that they had joined. They'd much rather go to Tim Hortons. Whatever it is, you as the individual have to decide, is this new culture a fit for you? What's the impact on the business results? Well, I think at this point it may be too too early to tell, but hopefully the culture that they've selected is the right one to help to continue to evolve their business and move it in the right direction. 
Another example, a company that did it a different way, General Mills merged with Pillsbury. And they recognized that they weren't just merging two businesses, that they were merging two cultures. And they brought in some experts to help them through that. They had great staff, and the end result was they had great staff retention and business growth in their first year. And normally you will see that when a company tries to merge, in the first three years, you can actually see a business decline. So this to me was a huge example of success of an organization like the the leader of Tabby that said, I get that this is more than just a business merger. I need to actually merge cultures. Um, And it was very successful for them. So what if you're in this situation? What if the market has changed or you are merging? Your, uh, how do you cur- currently do business? How you currently do business will not survive in the new economy. What if that's your situation? How do you change your culture? Can you change a culture? How can you avoid what I would call the culture shock? Typically, market changes are kind of that catalyst for a cultural change. So like Tabby, something in the market has changed, which is forcing me to think about changing my business model and my culture. Or for example, in the um, the uh, accountant's example, you know, legislation was saying, guys, you need to come together. So they had to, they were forced into a change. So how do you do that? And then how do you avoid the culture shock? I've seen this in the not-for-profit sector. Um, there's been significant change in that sector. There's pressure of delivering increased donations in a market that's overly saturated. There's like 80,000 charities in Canada alone and an economy that's struggling. So harder to part with your dollars when you're making decisions on, well, and where am I going to put my money this year? Very, very difficult. However, the cause and the organization for the not-for-profit is still as important and probably needs even more dollars. Um, So I'm working with an organization in Calgary right now, see what the economy is going through there, and they need more dollars, and yet people just don't have them. So it can be a a real struggle. So when you're in that situation, you're thinking about, well, how do I need to evolve my culture to account for these changes in the marketplace? How do I need to do things differently? And some people are going to say, well, the way we've done things has worked. I I don't want to change. And I'm not sure I like the new company that we're looking to build. And some people say, well, you know what, Lisa, I think the answer is just change your strategic plan. If I change your strategic plan, that'll fix everything. So if the market's changing and I need to change my organization, I just need to build a new plan. And then everybody, and I'll involve everyone and everyone will get on side and then you're going to see everything's going to change. Well, I had this experience at a large not-for-profit, a new leader to the organization and the sector um, tried to do just that. He thought, well, I can ready the organization for change by changing the strategic plan. And that will do it. And, and, and he did all the right things. He involved the team in developing the plan, you know, went out and shared the vision with other offices and other parts of the organization and thought, well, if people see it all laid out, They'll buy in and it will work. But of course, it didn't work. And why didn't it work? Because he didn't take into account the current culture and how it needed to evolve to support the new strategic plan. He put the organization, unfortunately, into what I would call culture shock. Some people left and most people tried to get things done but didn't know how. Right, so I've now put in a brought in a um, a new strategic plan that maybe it's about driving innovation in your organization as risk adverse. 
well, how am I going to get that done when I'm not sure what all those, you know, unsaid rules are? Am I going to get in trouble? Am I going to get, you know, someone going to fire me because I try to innovate because that's what the plan said, but I know the corporate culture is different than that. So it really puts people in a place where they can almost feel a little bit paralyzed. Like, I don't know how to move forward and I want to, and I'm trying my best and I'm working really hard, but I don't know how to do it because I don't know what the new rules are. I don't know what the new assumptions are, what the new habits and behaviors are. And unfortunately, this has had a significant impact on the business and not in the right direction. So how can you avoid a situation like that? How can you evolve your culture like Tabby did or General Mills did to make sure as you're reacting to a market change or a merger or you just feel like your company needs, uh, people say, a little bit of a shakeup, like you're feeling it's a bit sleepy and you really need to you know, help to propel people forward. Well, how do you do that? Um, well, I would say, you know, it starts at the top, right? Um, I know that culture shouldn't be driven by one person. However, if I look at organizations that I've worked in, because of the role and the level of influence and the power that goes along with that role, I really feel that the culture is decided by the leader. So corporate culture, by definition, affects an organization's operation. It's also, by definition, something that flows from management downward and outward. In many corporations, the culture was set very early on by the charismatic activity and leadership of a founder. I mean, think about Steve Jobs and Apple or Clive Badeau of WestJet or even in um, different not-for-profits, that person with that cause and that mission who's really you know, um, created that culture. But what happens when they leave? What happens when a new leader comes in? How can we make sure that we're evolving that culture? So for me, what really reinforced to me that the leader is critical is the impact that a new leader can have on an organization. You know, we had talked about that uh, advertising agency that I worked in uh, when they, you know, uh, did an IPO and went public and brought in new leadership and how those new leaders struggled. I mean, I wouldn't want to be them either. If culture isn't written down and articulated, and if we're not hiring against it or with it or using it, we run the risk of bringing in the wrong leadership for the organization at that time. So I would say what's critical is that you really need to be able to articulate it and write it down. And then it needs to become part of your hiring practices. So if you think about some of the brands that we talked about, Starbucks or um, the Ritz-Carlton, they actually have set out how we hire, what we're looking for. So if you take the time to sort of write down and articulate your culture using the questions that we talked about and thinking about who can help you to do that in your organization, and I'll come back to that in a minute. If you're using that as a way to hire, then you're less likely to bring in the wrong people or the people that aren't right for the organization. I've seen, you know, if I'm thinking about recruitment firms or a board trying to make a decision of bringing in a new leader, sometimes they focus on what you don't have. Well, we need this organization to grow and we need innovation, so let's get an innovative leader. But what happens when that innovative leader comes into a culture that isn't innovative? That's the culture shock. That's the other piece that we need to look at when we're thinking about our hiring practices or how we're evolving our organization. Because getting that that misstep on that leader, it, it can be very um, detrimental to the organization. And what I call kind of breaks the back of the organization. Now, organizations can recover. I mean, they're pretty strong entities. They're large. They, they will recover. 
But there's kind of all this debris and like collateral damage that happens in the interim, which I don't think needs to happen. Think Tabby, think General Mills. It Bringing in new leadership can infuse an organization, actually drive it forward and help you to get to that, that next um, level of uh, business results and innovation. So we're coming up on a break. We're coming into our last segment. And when I come back, I'm going to try to wrap this all up for you um, so that you have some, you know, nice takeaways for your organization. Back in a bit. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Take your business to the next level. Deliver more growth to your bottom line and bring innovation to your organization. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. Lisa Chickles Consulting will work with you to unearth your brand's potential to drive business results. Lisa works with the top brands in the corporate and not-for-profit sectors to develop strategic plans to ensure success. Bring a fresh and original perspective to your business. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. That's LisaChicklesConsulting.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Chat with Chickles. To reach Lisa and her guest today, please call into 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send Lisa an email to chatwithchickles at rogers.com. Now, back to this week's show. And we're back and we're coming into our closing segment and I'm chatting about culture and unlocking its power in organizations. So we've talked about how to define it, that it's kind of tricky to know what we mean by culture. We've talked about its power and why it's important in organizations and how it can mean the difference between success and failure. We've also talked about, you know, used examples of organizations that have built pretty strong cultures and how that's helped them, you know, to create a customer experience or to attract and retain the right talent in their organization. And then we talked about when an organization needs to change because the market dynamics have told it to change, you know, or to evolve and how some organizations have done that well by understanding that it's not just your business model that you're changing, but you're also evolving your culture and doing that in a way that's respectful. It shouldn't be a 180 degree turn. It needs to, or 360 degree turn. It needs to be, you know, in a way that you know, helps people, you know, embrace it so that you don't, what they say, create culture shock or break the back of the organization. So one of the steps in doing that, so not only do you need to define your culture, but you also need to find a way to articulate it and capture it and write it down so that people can use it as a tool of bringing people into the organization. Also of, um, you know, as you're developing new business plans and you're a new leader, what tools are you giving them? I remember when I did a project for um, Tim Hortons, a big brand in Canada and now, you know, North America is growing. Um there were people that had worked there for a long time and, and, and they understood the culture. They understood the brand. They knew how to evaluate things. Well, I came in, you know, covering a mat leave and, you know, helping the organization out. They're going through an IPO, launching lots of new products. I couldn't find a document that would help me understand the brand and its culture and how it feels. So then when I went to evaluate 
you know, the creative product, TV commercials, whatever it was, um, developing new products. I, I didn't have any kind of guidepost to use. So, I, I mean, they've certainly, there are people in the organization that helped me to do that. They certainly realized that when I made those comments that we needed to write it down, and that's exactly what we did, which was very helpful um, for me in the time that I was there, but also for people coming in after me. So you really do need to take the time to try to find a way to capture it and write it down. Um, And then it's also like, so who's the person that's responsible for it? Who's the person that's actually going to articulate it? You know, what is it the head of marketing because they kind of own the brand? Is it the head of HR because they understand the needs of the organization and the people and the hiring practices? Or is it your COO who is you know, understands how we need to get work done because they're focused on the operations of the organization. And the answer is yes, yes, and yes. You need all three. The risk is if you just put that accountability with one person, you're going to get a skewed view of the culture of the organization. You need to understand its impact on the brand from a marketing perspective, on the people from a hiring perspective, and on the ability for the organization to be productive from an organizational Um, perspective and how things get done. So that's what you need to think about when you're trying to bring, you know, people together and actually articulate that culture. And also thinking about, so let's say you're in this organization, I'm writing it down. Lisa, I'm not sure if it's quite working. I I think my culture is okay, but but I'm not sure it's 100% healthy. How do I know if it is or it isn't? And these are some questions that uh, Corporate Culture Inc. had identified when you're uh, considering about creating a healthy culture. They say prevailing corporate culture begins at the top. So again, think about that leadership, you know, what what their role is um, and, and how they can embrace the organization and make sure that they're delivering a culture that's in line with um, the values and what you want to get out of the organization. They also said treat all employees equally. I mean, this comes back to the show um, that I did on teams and building trust in teams. You remember that trust checklist? There was one that said, you know, you build trust by treating everyone the same regardless of position. I think that's important because that's part of, you know, building a positive organizational culture. I mean, it's one thing to know what your culture is. It's a one thing to change it, but let's make sure we're changing it in the right direction and making it healthier for the change, not just different. And that hiring decisions should reflect that desired corporate culture. We talked about that a lot. Sometimes the risks, especially if you're an entrepreneurial small company, is we hire in our own image. So we meet someone, we go, oh my gosh, they're a mini me. I love them. I want to bring them into my organization. They're going to do exactly what I want them to do. Okay, so you can do that. The risk there, and we've talked about this as well, is you need balance on a team. You need your jungle lions. You need your zoo lions, right? You need people that are going to see different things so that you can protect your blind side, right? So make sure that as you're bringing those people in, you're getting the diversity. Uh, Yes, there's cultural and ethnic diversity, but I'm also talking about diversity of thought and style and leadership. Um, That was one of the big things at General Mills was bringing in people that thought differently so that they actually looked at business um, decisions from different perspectives. And then two-way communication is essential. I mean, what are the three C's of change? Communicate, communicate, communicate. I mean, really, just making sure that you are communicating with your employees and understanding where you're going as an organization so that they can embrace that culture. So as we begin to wrap up, what are the things that you need, uh, hopefully you remember from today, that you can take away and use in your own organization? First of all, 
culture, it's not easy to define. So don't, you know, don't be too frustrated if the answers aren't coming quickly to you. It, it is not an easy thing to do. But it is important that you do define it and that you understand its power in your organization so that whoever you need to go to to be able to find the time and the resources to write this down, you know, understands why it's an important project versus, you know, they understand why that new IT system is important or why that innovation is important, but the culture is just as important. So then also keeping in mind, you know, those questions that you ask, like the 10 words that describe your company around here, what's really important, who gets promoted, you know, what behaviors are rewarded and who fits in and who doesn't. Those are kind of great questions to ask yourself as you're trying to articulate, you know, what, um, what your culture is all about and write it down. And then, of course, as we said, find a way to capture it, find a way to to document it so that people can leverage it. So if you're thinking about hiring, how do I use that to make sure I'm bringing in the right leadership? At every level of the organization, that is critical. And also don't be afraid to assess your organizational culture effectiveness. Sometimes your organizational culture, because it might have been built by a founder, and I've heard uh, an entrepreneur that I'm working with right now said to me, Lisa, I know that what got us here is not what's going to get us to the next level. And I love that he recognized that. But of course, it's always a struggle. How do I change? How do I do it differently? This is the culture I've built. This is the way I work. But I know I need to evolve. And how do I do it? So I think it's fantastic that he's actually recognizing that there's a need to evolve and, um, and assessing his own culture to help take it to the next level. And then also, if that culture is holding your organization back, consider an evolution, not a revolution, okay? Consider about, consider your current, not the 180 degree change. You don't want to break the back of the organization or put them into culture shock. Nothing will decrease your products, profits faster if you don't, if you do that too quickly or you don't do it in a way that's respectful of the people that are there. So I think if you keep these concepts in mind, you'll be way ahead of the curve in unlocking the power of culture in your organization. So next week, I'm going to be chatting about the process of change. So, you know, we've spent time talking about innovation, getting people to say yes to your ideas. And now how are we going to implement those ideas? And how do you lead a team and an organization in your business through that implementation phase of the work that you've identified? Because having the idea is only part, part of it. The other part of it is to execute successfully and flawlessly. That's really what you want to do. And if you want to be successful, believe me, what you've heard today, you need to understand the culture. The plan you put in place to implement your ideas needs and must respect the culture of the current organization. You don't want to build the strategic plan um, like we did in that one um, organization that um, put the company into culture shock and then impacted their overall business results. Next week also, I'm going to have a guest with me, uh, Ruth Henderson. She's one of the founding partners of Whiteboard Consulting Group. She's definitely an expert in this field. She has her black belt in Six Sigma, so you can hear more about that on the show. And she's going to talk about how do you ready your organization for implementation? How do you take culture into account? How do you communicate effectively so that people, okay, we're all excited about the idea. Okay, just go. Yeah, go and do what? So how do, you, how do you do that to make sure that you're implementing it successfully? And then what are the metrics and measures that help you know as a leader that you're winning? 
So thank you for listening, and I hope you found today's topic helpful and something that you can put into everyday practice. The show is for leaders like you, whether you're an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur. This is what they couldn't teach you in business school because you really have to live it to get it. You can uh, reach me at chatwithchickles at rogers.com. That's chat with C-H-I-C-U-L-E-S at rogers.com. Like me on Facebook, connect with me on LinkedIn, follow me on Twitter, and check out my website at lisachicklesconsulting.com. I'm your host, Lisa Chickles, and you're a part of Chat with Chickles, what they couldn't teach you in business school. Chat with you again next week. Thank you for joining us for Chat with Chickles. Please tune in again next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time for another edition with brand expert Lisa Chickles on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again on the next show. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management 